nothing like makes my skin crawl more than the thought of having a job <laughs> and working for somebody and being confined. It's like being in a cage. I'd rather have feast or famine and have uh, really stressful, tough, tight times than have gone the safe route. And I understand that safe route, but what always disturbs me about that safe, comfortable route is it's not really that safe and comfortable. When I talked about being disposable, you're allowing your destiny to be controlled by somebody else. That's why I really encourage people that are entrepreneurial in any way or want to try doing something for themselves. I think that's exciting. And I think if, if there's a, a spark or a shred of curiosity, then it deserves to be explored. Welcome to the Hero of Circumstance podcast. I am your host, Dawn Pinkney. And I am also a mindset life coach. I help others to overcome obstacles and achieve their goals. And I've also been an executive in the video games industry for over 25 years, where I also helped many teams and video game projects to achieve great success. On Hero of Circumstance, I interview successful people who have been through difficult circumstances and become the hero of them such as setting up your own business, getting through a layoff, getting, getting through being fired. Whatever it is, I talk to them about how they were able to overcome it so they're able to share their experience to help anybody out there that's going through a difficult circumstance so you can become a hero of your circumstance. My guest today is Alex Joseph, a fellow 25-year-plus video games industry veteran. Alex's specialty is marketing, and he has worked with big video games publishers and developers such as Konami, Activision Blizzard, Codemasters, and many more. Alex is a serial entrepreneur at heart and has launched, operated, and sold several businesses, including a successful health and fitness business, a real estate investment company, a PR and marketing firm, a retail wine and cheese bar, and a video games publishing company called Graffiti Games. I first crossed paths with Alex back in 2019 when he was CEO of Graffiti Games and I was COO for OK Let's Play, pitching his business to sign up for the OK Let's Play betting on video games platform. And our interests have remained similar since, because after years of focusing on building his own career, Alex is now extremely dedicated to helping others with achieving their business and career goals. He began coaching and consulting for individuals and small groups in 2020, and it has become one of his primary passions while continuing to consult for video games companies, large and small. Alex is also a devoted dog dad, a coffee lover, and a business junkie. And Alex has great perspective from his experience with growth in the video games industry for those going through layoff right now. Welcome, Alex, to Hero of Circumstance. Thank you, Don. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Alex, what drew you into the video games industry? That is a very good question. I think I happened into it a bit by accident. I was working at the time in entertainment in talent agency and i was playing a lot of games and at that time there was a trade magazine called game week 
and I saw a ad in the back in the classified section for an account executive at a PR firm, and it happened to be in the same building that I worked at in Century City, California. So on my lunch break, I went up, I interviewed, and they hired me on the spot. I was good at writing and talking to people. The whole aspect of PR seemed to come naturally. And back in those days, there weren't a lot of people in agencies that were gamers. So it gave me an edge. The journalists that I was talking to or that I would talk to at that time appreciated the fact that I could draw comparisons to other games or talk about the type of game, the style of game, the genre. So that's how I got into it. And that was about probably 26, 27 years ago. Great. And I love the fact that you were hired on the spot because maybe it's just my perspective, but I feel like that doesn't happen as often these days as it used to, because nowadays getting into a video games company quite often, you have to go through about five or six rounds of interviews. Yeah, things were a lot different back in those days. That actually happened to be the that very job that I got hired for, I was actually laid off from about maybe four or five months later. And fortunately, I was able to pick up another position at a different agency shortly thereafter. But yeah, back in those days, I think if you knew games and if you knew PR and you were able to speak the language, it was a lot easier. You could get jobs a lot easier. There weren't as many people competing for those types of PR positions, maybe more so for tech or for general entertainment, but not so much for the gaming positions. Yeah. And it was great that you were able to combine your passion for games with what you were naturally talented with. Now, on that layoff, Alex, that was 25 years ago, and it's obviously when you were younger in your career, but it was also at a time when layoff was less common. So I'd love to know, how did it feel when you got laid off, and what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, it was less common, but not really, because that was just ahead of the big dot-com crash, which came shortly thereafter. So obviously there were a lot of layoffs and we had big uh, recession and there was a lot of fallout from the dot-com bubble. But the one thing I'll tell you that I'd been fired from jobs in the past, but that was because I had a horrible attitude and they were just not great jobs, restaurant jobs or whatever. But this was the first layoff where I was like, I wanted the job. I would have liked to have kept the job. I was enjoying the job. I enjoyed the type of work. I saw it as a career. I think there's a difference between being fired and being laid off. This kind of hammered home the fact that I can't rely on somebody else to put food on the table. I've got to rely on myself. So I knew I needed to get another job right away. But what was going through my mind and what stuck in my mind is I've got to figure out a way to turn this into something that I can do myself and not have to rely on someone employing me. I need to be my own employer. So that got the wheels turning or shortly thereafter, like maybe within the next three, four years, I branched out 
and and became self-employed and just never looked back from there. So Alex, I really love that layoff forged your mindset to become a serial entrepreneur. Moving into the time that you created your first business in video games, your marketing and consulting firm, what was that journey like? And did you start working towards that immediately after that layoff or did it come a little bit later? So yeah, I I think when that layoff happened, I think simply because I actually cared about that job, it felt I was excited about it. I was excited about getting the job. I saw that as like a viable career. And I had always had this entrepreneurial mindset since I was a kid. I had a very I've got to work for myself. It was just what was ingrained in me. My grandfather was an entrepreneur and I idolized him and wanted to be like him. But I always just felt that. I didn't feel like I was a good jobber, mainly because I couldn't follow rules. I was rebellious. I would get bored. But I also had this feeling that And I was a late bloomer. Keep in mind, this was when I was in my mid-20s, when I was finally getting into the nine-to-fives, quote-unquote, corporate world. This was my first venture into that realm. And it was because I felt like that's what I needed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what I should do. So getting uh, that first layoff, uh, I definitely was bitter and resentful. I came away from it, and I was like, I couldn't get it through my head. I knew this wasn't my fault, but I was very angry about it. And um, there wasn't a way that I could get revenge, not that I necessarily wanted to, but I knew that the best way that I could get revenge was to get a better job or a better position and then just build my career and focus on myself. And back then, I'm a different person now than I was back then, but it was all about me. It was all about, I've got to do whatever I can to further my progress and to advance my career. And no one's looking out for me. I'm disposable. So I'm not going to look out for anybody else except for me. And I got it just set in my head that I'm going to learn about this. Whatever job I take and whatever job I do, the only reason that I'm taking on that job is to put food on the table, put money in my pocket, and to learn as much as I can so that I can do it for myself. And so I can stop doing it for somebody else, stop putting food on somebody else's table. So that was my objective. And for the next couple of positions, I got a job after that layoff. I got recruited from the agency that I was at to another agency after that. And at that point, the objective was, all right, I'm going to build myself up a couple of levels, get a couple of pay bumps, save some money, and then I'm starting my own thing. And that's exactly what I did. So that was the timeline. And that was in 2003 that I left my last job and started my first agency at that time called Zeitgeist Communications. Alex, you hit on so many great things there. I love so many things that you just said. So I'm going to ask you about some of those. I love the terminology that you just used, disposable, right? The fact that you saw from that first layoff, I am disposable. And you took that anger and your mindset and your drive and just put it into action, into this plan that you had about working towards 
your own business and just seeing the the job as a paycheck as a an objective to get what you want and I feel like I love what you're saying there as well about not following rules and just because it just seems like if that's where you're at anyway would you have succeeded going forwards just suppose you didn't have that mindset about starting your own business or see that you were disposable do you think with the fact that you had trouble following rules would you fit in anyway in the corporate culture probably no i don't think i really even learned to fit in i didn't and i don't now so prior to starting in 2003 starting agency zeitgeist i worked at an agency called vendor helper impact great agency loved working there Worked with some really cool, very talented people. And I had a manager there named John Foster. Great guy. Friends. He was my superior, my boss. But I learned a ton from that guy. I give him a bunch of credit for basically teaching me how to be politic in my manner and how to not always be the rebel. I basically modeled myself and my career and what I I did and how I interacted after him, which I don't know if he knows that or not. And so much so that when I wanted to leave and start something, I talked him into going with me and being my partner. So he was my business partner for that first venture. And we had a great time, worked really well together for a couple of years. And yeah, the short answer to the question, I don't think I would have ever been really cut out to continue that that nothing like makes my skin crawl more than the thought of having a job and working for somebody and being confined it's like being in a cage i'd rather have feast or famine and and have really stressful tough tight times at times and have gone through everything that i've gone through than have gone the safe route and i understand that safe route i understand the appeal of that it's different personalities, right? That doesn't suit everybody. But what always disturbs me about that safe, comfortable route is it's not really that safe and comfortable. When I talked about being disposable, at the end of the day, you're allowing your destiny to be controlled by somebody else. You're not captaining your own ship. So in my view, so that's just why I chose that more, the different path. I really admire you for doing that, Alex, because I certainly feel a lot of what you've said because I have felt that I'm disposable and it wasn't my immediate reaction to captain my own ship or to feel that. You actually said back then that taking that anger to get a better job, that's what I've done. I took that anger and I'm like, I'm just going to get an even better job and feel better about myself. Although over the years, that entrepreneurial spirit did come up for me, but I had a harder path because it just took me a while to step away from the the comfort of having that job to forge my own path. Whereas for you, you just went for it at a really young age. And like you said, you feel like a trapped animal to have a job. And I just admire that you were just of that mindset from such a young age. And you did say something there about your grandfather being an entrepreneur. And do you really think that had a strong influence on 
where you're at with your feelings about being a serial entrepreneur, working for yourself, not wanting to be trapped in a job? That's a good question. I don't know how much of an influence or impact it had. I think it definitely had some influence and impact. I just assume because he was my male role model. But also, always when I was young, when I was a kid, I just always pictured myself being successful. And for me at that time, success was equated to having money or having stuff. And I always felt like that fell outside of the confines of having a, of being an employee. Just because all my experiences as being an employee never really seemed to work out. I've had so many jobs. I've had every job. I also could never figure out or find anything that I really liked. So that was a struggle. I wasn't aware of it, but what I found out later is that we're conditioned to be employees from school, the way that school is set up, the traditional school system with you go to school and then you have recess or your morning break and then you have lunchtime and then you go back and then you get out of school, which is getting out of work. It's you're being conditioned for this sort of nine to five working environment of working for somebody else. And I was also terrible in school. I hated it. Anything that required me to conform to some sort of set standard or regimen, I just didn't like it. I didn't like being told or having to clock in or clock out or have somebody tell me when I can take my breaks or when I can have a lunch. I want to decide all that stuff for myself. I want to work hard. I'm not afraid of working hard, but I want to decide if I want to go work out at six in the morning or at one in the afternoon. And I want to decide if I want to go stop and have coffee and get some food at 9.30 or at 2.15. I want to make those decisions. I still want to work hard. I still want to do work. I still want to earn the money that I'm making. I just want to do it on my terms. And I knew that the only way that I could do that was to do it myself. There's no job that you can go and get where you can say, okay, hey, I'm really happy that you're hiring me. Here's what I'd like you to pay me. This is when I like to take my lunch break, but sometimes I like to take it an hour earlier. I'm not really sure. And I like to get off at 3.30, but I don't mind coming in on Saturdays for an hour and a half. And I don't like working Mondays. <laughs> nobody's <laughs> going nobody's gonna to do that. Maybe this day and age, it's a little more possible, but not really. I think that even if somebody is, and not like I said, not all people are really entrepreneurial like that because they see it as a risk. And I like the risk. It, it's exciting. I'm not a gambler, but I like the risk of betting on myself. And a lot of people are a little scared to do that or don't have the luxury of doing that because they've got a lot of obligations or taking care of family or something like that. So it's understandable, but uh, when you're in a situation like the subject of this podcast, like being laid off or losing a job or having career transition, it's an opportunity to really think and regroup and determine what's important and determine who's going to be looking out for your best interest when it comes right down to it. 
And I'd love to get into that a little bit more, Alex, about words of advice that you would have. But before we move on, you're saying that you never wanted to follow the rules and that's what led you down this path or that you like to take a risk and you like to bet on yourself. But I'd like to ask you, what other qualities and traits do you think that you have that has led you down this path? Because not following rules, is that's more of a, in a way, something you don't want to do. But what is it that you've got those qualities that you really have that have drawn you down that path instead of the stuff you didn't want to do? That's a really good question as well. Qualities that I have that have driven me towards being more entrepreneurial. Is that what you mean? Yes. I'd say it's, I don't know if they're qualities, but there may be more characteristics. And I think the characteristics are some good and some bad being very dissatisfied with any type of what I feel is mediocrity or complacency for myself, being hyper neurotic and self-critical. And just there is an immense amount of (laughs) insecurity and neuroses that goes on in my head that drives me to continually try to progress forward. And, And it's like torture, but it's also fuel in a way. And I don't know how else to describe it. I think it's a certain type of personality. I don't think you can just decide. That's why I really encourage people that are entrepreneurial in any way or that even have an idea or a thought or want to try doing something for themselves. I think that's exciting. And I think if if there's like a, a spark or a shred of curiosity about that, then it deserves to be explored. That said, it is not the right path for everybody because there's a lot to it. It takes a lot and it takes a lot of not necessarily confidence in yourself. It's scary. And if everybody was going to be entrepreneurial and try to make their own way, we would fall apart because you need a lot of people to do work and to be employees and to carry out and execute. And sometimes I wish that I could do that. But if I did that, I would be miserable. And not to say that I'm not miserable anyhow, but it's a different kind of miserable. It's more of a <laughs> it's more of a neurotic miserable instead of just a bored miserable. And I get bored very easily. A lot of what I know about people that are entrepreneurial is they get bored really easily and they constantly need to be creating or developing or doing something new. That's what it seems like. So I don't know if that does that make sense? Yeah, it's certainly very interesting. I know I've always loved a lot of variety. I'm hoping that I'm getting into that space now. However, it's really interesting about what you were saying about being hyperneurotic and self-critical and the fact that drives you forwards because I spend my whole life not being self-critical, like cutting out that voice in my head to get myself into a place of being more present and not being caught up in my head and not being too critical to myself because that has a certain resonance. So it's interesting that same thing is the thing that's been driving you forwards. Yeah, I've definitely made a lot of progress on that front over the last 10 years. 
And it started with doing like the whole therapy thing and then getting into doing some meditation and it helps, but it doesn't just make it all go away. There's days where everything is great and I'm not a depressed person. I don't consider myself to be a depressed person, but there's days when everything is great and there's days when I'm just still super hypercritical and what am I doing? Nothing is good enough. And those are times when I just have to reflect on what I've done, where I am, be really appreciative. People don't really spend enough time thinking about all the things that they have. I've, I've really dumbed it down and gotten really simple about it lately. I have my morning routine. I'm trying to think of two or three things that I'm grateful for and thankful for. Like I'm grateful I've got my right ear and that I can smell and that my dogs are alive. <laughs> because it's pretty simple. But when it comes right down to it, if I didn't have any of those things, it would not be nearly as good of a morning when I woke up that morning as, as it was. And yeah, sometimes just those little things help to put things in perspective and then channel me forward. Alex, as you were mentioning there about the morning routine... I've always admired the fact that you are disciplined and have had your daily habit plan and your morning routine for years, which is actually what inspired me to begin my daily habit plan and my morning routine years ago now. And I'd like to ask you, what would you say to those who are out of work right now and maybe finding it difficult in the mornings because they don't have the same routine as they used to with the job, or even I would say those who are in work and the importance of having a morning routine before you start your job. What words of wisdom would you have to share on that? Yeah, that's a good one because I'm pretty obsessive about having a morning routine because it just works. I didn't do my whole life, but it's something that I do pretty regularly. In the last few years, the thinking of just three things that I'm thankful for, grateful for, so I start my day off right. I'm not great about not looking at electronics or doing that thing, although I would love to avoid that, but I haven't leveled up to that level yet. <laughs> In that the, way, I've exceeded you. Yes, yes. Doing coffee, I have my coffee routine. I love my morning coffee. I sit and do the crossword puzzle. So I have a routine. And I know, though, that a lot of people, their routine is very much dictated by their career and their job, as well as their home life, their family and kids. I guess you have to take into consideration people that have children or pets or whatever. But the loss of a job or some sort of a change in career, I think it shouldn't dictate your routine. That said, I think it's an interesting idea to shake up that routine a little bit. So if you're used to getting up at 6.30 a.m. to get ready to go to work and all that, maybe adjusting it and getting up at 6 a.m. So it jogs things a little bit and you're getting up a half hour earlier, but you're not just sleeping until 11 or 10, completely abandoning that morning routine of getting up for something. Just because you don't have a job at the moment to go to, don't give up the routine and don't start using that as an excuse to just sleep in and do nothing because that ends up 
if it doesn't lead to becoming depressed, it leads to becoming less motivated and not feeling great about yourself. It just you sink into that hole or that rut. And then also, I think it's important to just disassociate yourself from the career, the job. There's a lot of people that their career defines them. And I've definitely felt like that, where I feel like a client or a project that I'm working on, what they think about what had the job that I'm doing defines who I am. And it's really hard for people, for a lot of people, to be able to separate who they are from what they do. So the job does not define who they are. So it's important to separate, disassociate from the job, from that career, and be aware of of who you are as a person. So that creating that morning routine and making that morning routine kind of all about you is definitely an important aspect about moving on. Yeah. And what are you saying about disassociating yourself? Because I would say I definitely earlier in my career associated myself with my job. And I think also because with video games, it's such a creative career, the creative role. You're very passionate about it. It's not like working on software where everything's just very planned out. Everything's so dynamic and you just get so caught up in it. And you're so caught up in it in a whole group of people that are so passionate about the projects that they're working on, the games that they're working on, the creativity in it. And I feel like there's just so much momentum in that. And you've just got all this momentum where you're just going in this direction of your job and focusing on it. I guess you've been narrowly focusing on that a lot and not looking at what's around you. You're not having as much awareness for all the other things that you could be doing because you're just so caught up in it. So I feel like that's what can send you reeling sometimes when you lose your job and that why it can be hard to disassociate from that because it's sudden. It's like you're going down the motorway in one direction and all of a sudden that just stops. I think that's why it can be a little bit hard. Yeah. I remember when I was going through one of these transitions, I felt that whole aspect of, I've been used to getting up for work every day. And now that I was laid off, I was determined that I wasn't going to get out of this routine of getting up and being productive. That's just what I felt instinctively. And I remember I I had a very clear schedule. I'm going to be up by this time every morning and I'm going to be on my laptop by this time. And not only that, I would put on a shirt. Like I might have been wearing tracksuit bottoms, but every morning I would get up and I would put on a shirt for working at home just so I felt professional, just to keep up that whole routine aspect of what I'd lost from the job. Yeah, I think that aside from just maybe sticking to a regular routine, I think establishing a regular routine when you're going through, and I would just say any kind of loss, when we happen to be talking about a job or an interruption in career or a job loss, but any type of loss or any type of traumatic event or something that's affecting you emotionally, which then then translate to physically, just creating a routine, even creating a new routine and saying, okay, I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. I'm going to go sit outside in the sun for five minutes. I'm not going to think about anything. I'm just going to sit outside and I'm going to relax. I'm going to make coffee 
I'm going to do these four things that are productive. It could just be things that I'm going to clean out this cupboard. I'm going to spend five minutes sending a couple of networking emails and looking for job opportunities. I'm going to work on this project, whatever it is. Just establishing some sort of a little routine that gets your day started and helps you to feel productive. I think that alone will do wonders to help somebody to stay out of a rut and continue to move forward. Yeah. And I would say for me, I was obviously inspired by your routine. And then I began my own. Even when I had a job, it was important for me to have that time to myself to do the things that I found pleasurable or productive. Those things you were saying, like sitting in the sun before my mind shifted to the job. Because for me, the most powerful time of the day when my mind is at its most creative is in the mornings. And then having gone through layoff, that time is still important because before you start responding to LinkedIn notifications, it's still important to have that time for yourself to strengthen your mindset in the morning and just to be in a more grounded and centered place before you continue the day. Only agree. All right. So you said something about feast or famine a few minutes ago, Alex, when we were talking about finances. So I'd love to get into that a little bit more because I know when we did our Navigating Career Transition workshop together recently, this was a big subject for you. And I know you've got a lot of advice in this area. And before we get into that, what I'd like to ask you about is this whole feast and famine experience that you've had with your your own businesses. Yeah. So it's interesting because just because I haven't experienced a lot of layoffs doesn't mean I haven't experienced some of the side effects of a layoff. Being self-employed, there's certainly risks. All you're doing is you're really just, you're an employee. You're just an employee for yourself and you're never going to cut yourself loose. But the circumstances of the economy or business or whatever might might end up causing you to be redundant at one time or another. So if that makes sense, just like when somebody gets laid off, it's nothing personal. Their boss doesn't dislike them. It's generally something related to the economy or the finances of the company. And it's just the way things go. It's just business. Same things happen when you're self-employed. Sometimes business is great. And sometimes it's not so great. And when it's not so great, you've got to tighten the belt. And you've got to make some changes and you've got to adjust. I always think it's really important to have a plan of attack or a backup, not even a plan B or a backup plan, but just plan for lean times. Or, okay, hey, if I lose my job, what am I going to do? Do I have some savings? Do I have some money saved up to live off of for a couple of months. And some people do and some people don't. But the first thing you have to do is pretty much take an inventory and get your house in order, as I like to say, and figure out what's your income right now. Do you have any? If you have none, what are your expenses? What can you cut? What are your needs and what are your wants? Figure out what your budget is. It's a great time to take an inventory of all of those 
monthly subscriptions? Do you need these? Do you have to have Hulu, Netflix, and the HBO Don't and all of these? Don't tell me to cancel or, Netflix. Or can you get by with one of them? Do you need? What do you need? What do you want? I love grass-fed beef and fresh wild-caught seafood. But you know what? If it comes down to it, I can go without it for a couple of months and save a couple hundred bucks because it's all coming down to keeping food on the table, keeping the lights on, making sure I keep a roof over my head. What are the bare necessities? So, so you wouldn't eat grass-fed beef then? You would have regular beef? If it came down I to it, yes, I would. don't believe you. My biggest expense is food. That is my <laughs> biggest expense. I don't drive, in fact, I don't even have a car right now. I drive a Vespa. I'm not a, I'm not like a fancy pants, but I love good food. <laughs> but if it came down to it, 100% right now, I'll live. I lived for a long time when I was a child on regular meat and regular non-organic vegetables and fruit. I could do it for a few months. It's important to take that inventory and determine what's really required, what you can do without for a certain amount of time, and then formulate a plan. Mourn for a week, give yourself that, and then get a plan in place and start to execute upon that plan. Are you going to go find another job? How are you going to do it? Who are you going to network with? What are you going to do to curb expenses in the meantime? Are you going to maybe look at venturing out and taking a risk and trying something that you've been thinking of for a long time? How are you going to make ends meet in the meantime? There's nothing that's beneath me. If I needed to, at any time, at any given time, I have no problem. I'll go get a job at Trader Joe's, Whole Foods. There's nothing that's beneath me. And I know that because I know that you've done jobs just to have the experience of them sometimes. Didn't you go and work in a wine room just to have the experience of it for a day? I, I've done jobs just to have the experience. I've also worked for free in order to get experience in something. When I opened a wine and cheese shop, I knew nothing about running a wine and cheese store. And I went and worked in two different cheese shops for months for free. On the weekends, while I was running my business during the week, on the weekends, I went to one of them on Saturdays and the other one on Sundays to learn as much as I possibly could about running a cheese shop and took all that information and opened my shop. And I think this goes back to what I see a lot of in you is obviously drive, but it's discipline as well. And I know that you would totally just cut the expenses. I will say personally that it, it's hard. It's hard to just cut back all the time. You can cut back for a week and then all of a sudden you feel like you need a bit of a treat. You need something, right? Because it is a tough time when you're not working and you want to fill that time. Yeah, I think that you shouldn't deny yourself a treat. You just do a different type of treat. Instead of a $200 dinner, it's something that maybe costs $25, $30. So you just have to scale down. Like It's weird because I think about my lifestyle, and we're getting older, so it's harder the older you get. When you're 25, you don't mind eating macaroni and cheese or Denison's chili or something like that or Top Ramen. But if you're 45, <laughs> it's a whole different world. And if you have kids and a wife, it's a whole different thing. And, and Let's not 
even talk about if you're the main breadwinner in the family and what that does to your ego and your self-esteem. There's a lot to contend with, but I think it's important to just keep things in perspective and understand that everything is temporary and everything is temporary, the good times and the bad times. That's a great mindset to have. And it's a practice. It's a daily practice to be keeping yourself in that mindset and not spinning out minute to minute Mm, on the fact that you're in a tough spot. And what I heard there and what I loved is basically scheduling cheaper treats. Because I think when you're having to restrict, you just restrict everything and you don't leave any room for treats. And I love that concept of pulling in the belt or the tightening the purse strings, but making sure that you're still treating yourself, but just in a cheaper way to keep it on budget and to keep you feeling like you're getting what you need as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. So Alex, I know we talked about this. It's temporary. We talked about daily habits and sticking with them and having a routine. And we've talked about finances. What's one thing that you would say to anybody that's out of work right now? What what would be your top thing that you would want to say? The top thing I would want to say is to take a personal inventory. I think it's really important to just take a inventory. And what I mean by that is think about everything that you do have. And that's really easy to say. But in the grand scheme of things, think about everything that you have and think about maybe in relation to everything that you had or where you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Understand that you're making, that you've made progress in your life. And you're not starting over at square one, you're starting at square 10 because you've got a lot of experience. Setbacks are important because setbacks is what allows us to continue to move forward. I won't say stay positive because that's a silly thing to say. It's really hard to do that. But what I would say is to stay focused and to continue to focus on some type of objective. Have an objective for every single day. Have a grand objective for the week, for the month, for the year, but have an objective for every single day, something that you can accomplish because accomplishing something is very rewarding. It triggers a lot of things in our brain, like dopamine and adrenaline and feeling of accomplishment and feeling like we're moving forward. Making progress is a very important thing for people, for humans. Having something that you set as an objective and that you're able to accomplish each day is very important, even if it's small. When you said take a personal inventory, I know I always like to do that where was I this time last year? And I always take personal inventory on that. And I love what you said there about starting at square 10, because there is that mindset that you can have where you just got laid off. You're like, oh, I'm starting over. But you're not. Like you said, you're starting at square 10. And I would say, yeah, the accomplishments, I get a personal dopamine hit with lists. I love doing lists and then crossing things off lists. So that's like my get multiple dopamine hits a day for just feeling that I'm accomplishing something. Although at the same time, I try not to get too caught up in the lists and 
be in the moment as well. And if something doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'm not going to be criticizing myself over it either. I was spending my time wisely no matter what. But the other thing I want to ask you is for anybody that may be thinking about financial independence, and especially hearing about what you've said in terms of the feelings that you had about being disposable and the path that you took, what would you say to any budding entrepreneurs out there that may be going through a layoff right now? I think if there's anybody who's ever had any thoughts of doing something on their own, like being entrepreneurial or had an idea or a business idea or something, then I think that when they go through something like a layoff or a loss of a job, that is the ideal time to take a really hard look at and envision where you want to be five, 10 years down the road. Do you still want to be doing what you were doing? Do you want to be working at a job? Are you going to regret never pursuing or never taking a risk or a chance with this idea or with whatever it is that the opportunity of being self-sufficient and self-employed and being an entrepreneur that doesn't have to be creating some big grand business where you have an empire and people are working and running your business. It might be just creating a little sole proprietorship, opening a store, creating a dog walking business. It could be something super simple that gives you satisfaction on a daily basis where you're creating your own destiny and you're getting the fulfillment of doing it for yourself rather than having somebody else provide a job for you. I think if you have any kind of that entrepreneurial bug or drive or ambition, it's the optimal time to do it because you almost have nothing to lose. I love what you said about keeping it super simple there. You mentioned a dog walking business and that reminded me, I would love to ask you about the fact that you had a very entrepreneurial spirit right from a very young age. I know we spoke about the influence that your grandfather may have had and the fact that you just didn't like to follow rules anyway. But please tell us about the leaf sweeping business you had and how old were you when you set this business up? Yeah, so that was my very first business venture. When I was like, oh, probably about eight years old, didn't get an allowance when I was a kid, but I wanted to have money. And one day I went around to the neighbors in the neighborhood and I asked them if I could sweep their leaves. And I charged them like 10 or 15 cents. I had this kid who lived next door to me who was a friend of mine. And I got him to do it. So basically, <laughs> I was making money on the spread there. I was paying him whatever, <laughs> five cents or 10 cents. I was pocketing the other money and he did the work and I was running the business and getting the new clients. That was my first taste of business. And I just loved it. I loved the idea of being able to go out and make money from nothing, from just my own work, from just hustling a little bit. And that excited me. I was just always excited by the whole prospect of business and also working and making money. I was always wanted to make my own money. I went and got jobs when I was 14 years old. I went and lied and said that I had my work permit to get a job bussing tables at 14. And then when I was 15 and I got my work permit, I went and got my first real job. 
I was so excited about that. I just realized throughout that time, I always knew I wanted to make my own money. I wanted to be an entrepreneur because it was just never enough working for somebody else. And I could lose that job at any given time as evidenced by all the jobs that I lost or that I quit. Between the time I was 15 and, I don't know, 21 or 22, there was an equal number of jobs that I was fired from or quit. And they probably number, who knows, 50, 60. There were a lot. (laughs) It gave you your metal, really. You already had it from a young age. It seems like it just continued to strengthen you to where you are now. And I know you're definitely into money and you seem to be good at growing it. And what I love about your story there about the leaf sweeping business is it came about because you just said it, you didn't have an allowance. So you turned that circumstance to your advantage. You could have just moaned about the fact that you didn't have an allowance or pitied yourself because you didn't have an allowance, but you didn't. You went out and you created a business. Yeah, exactly. And I just was, I had that in me. Um, It was also a very different time. And I don't know what it is. Things are different these days. There's leaf blowers, right? There's leaf blowers. There's leaf blowers. Yeah. But there's also, I'm not going to say that kids are necessarily all that different these days because none of my friends or nobody else was doing it that I knew. Oh, there's this little kid who wants to sweep my leaves. Yeah. Okay. That's cute. I'll pay him that. But nobody else was trying to do that. So it wasn't like that was a thing back in those days. I just had that sort of, I just wanted to be able to provide for myself. Yes, you were curious and you wanted to provide for yourself. And I love some of the things that we you've said along the way here over the course of this evening about the fact that you're obsessive, you're self-critical, you have all this neurosis. And I'm just thinking, who knew that all those bad qualities that I'm trying not to have is what you needed to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. Because I, I those are things that drive me crazy. I do a lot of stuff. I try to be more in the moment and all of that. And I wonder, though, if that would change who I am and like what my you know personality and my drive and ambition is. And the more I hear about people that are driven and successful because now you get a lot of access to finding out about people through whatever social media and the availability of news and learning about people where you wouldn't know that 20 30 years ago you wouldn't really know as much about head of a company or ceo or somebody who's an inventor or something now you have a lot more accessibility and ability to know about who the person is what whoever it is whatever jeff bezos elon musk or you pick your person but a lot of them are people that are just hyper ambitious and almost to a fault where they're just they're so driven that a lot of these people and i'm not a wealthy person i just love business and i think a lot of these people that have been really successful and that are extremely wealthy it's not really the money that that what keeps them going is that hunger for creating something new and conceptualizing and bringing something to fruition that's like their drive. They're not necessarily family people, or a lot of times they're not the best people. They're good at what they do. 
Yeah, I think that's getting to the point of a a lot of what we've been talking about or what I've been asking is the hunger for something new. And I think he said it with the getting bored quite easily. Anyway, so Alex, I would love to thank you for your time on this podcast, for being a guest, for answering questions, for sharing your perspective on layoff and for sharing your experience with being a serial entrepreneur all the way back to childhood and forward to now. So thank you very much. Certainly. It was my pleasure. I had fun. And hopefully you've captured about 10 minutes of usable material here. (laughs) Yeah. and, And I've learned to be grateful for my right ear when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, it's important. (laughs) And now for the science part. We're just going to get into some easy belly breathing this January. Belly breathing is important because our bodies are designed to breathe through the belly. When we're born, that's where we breathe from. And if you look at a child, you will see that their belly extends when they breathe. The thing is, as we get older, we get a little bit more caught up with life, we get a bit more stressed, and we start breathing through the chest, which is a bit more shallow. So, there's a lot more power to breathing through the belly. So take a big deep breath in, wherever you are, and extend that belly. And release and let it deflate. And just continue to keep breathing and extending your belly. Breathing in and out and just know that taking that breath you are now more present you are aware of everything that's going around you and it's relaxing you just relaxed all the systems in your body you're less stressed you're less caught up and you're more aware so breathing is underrated keep breathing through your belly and thank you for listening to the episode today if you like the podcast please follow it That way you'll know when there's a new episode released. And if you are interested in mindset life coaching because you, you know, have something you want to achieve or maybe you're just not in your best flow or maybe there's an obstacle that you want to overcome, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you more about it. You can reach out to me via my website, marjoriedawncoaching.com or you can find me on LinkedIn, Dawn Pinkney. My profile is public. And I would love to hear from you and chat more about it.